This is Jimmy Maurer, and you're listening to the Dallas Soccer Show. Would you Welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show. I'm Dustin Nation, and uh, we've got Jonathan Roz with us here. How's it going, Jonathan? What's up, Dustin? And this this episode, we've got Jimmy Maurer taking a break from quarantine routine to uh, talk to us for a little bit. How's it going, Jimmy? Yeah, all good. Uh, just another day in paradise over here. Uh, just uh, struggling through it like everybody else, but we're all healthy uh, here in my house with my kids and my wife and I, and that's the most important thing. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're hanging in there. Getting enough of that uh, good, good family time, maybe too much. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, luckily we're, we're kind of homebodies anyways. Uh, you know, we enjoy spending time with each other, but it's definitely a lot. It's definitely a whole new level uh, for us too. So it's uh, it's a change, but we're, we're, we're pushing through. So, so how old are your kids? Uh, 12. Six, four, and one. Our six-year-old is turning seven tomorrow, so he'll probably be mad if I don't say that. But, um, but yeah, so wow. about to be twelve, seven, four, and one. Yeah, thanks. I'll pass it along. He's he's very excited. He's at a he's at that great age, or he's uh, the, our four-year-old too. Just turned a few like a week ago now, and uh, he was just counting down the calendar every for weeks. Um, so yeah, they're excited. It's a lot of fun. That, that's that's a pretty big age age range. Do you have any uh, any family activities that actually spawn the whole kids? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's funny. I mean, it's just my wife and I started real early. We were we were eighteen. We had our uh, our oldest son, and uh, and yeah, so they, they've gotten spread out just just with life and the way things go. Um, which you know, there's a lot of great positives in it. Um, you know, like our our oldest one helps us out a lot with the younger ones and it's just a lot of fun and uh seeing all the all the different interactions they have but it definitely is a challenge sometimes in terms of uh, those activities uh to you know do something that obviously you're entertaining the young ones um uh, but also try and do something that's stimulating for for the oldest where he's not just getting dragged around so um, right now, I mean, we, I got a soccer tennis net in, in our driveway. We got a basketball okay. hoop and I got, you know, we have like two different basketball hoops, one for the little kids, one, one for my older son and I, that we can play horse on or, or whatnot. Um, so we'll like, we'll play tennis over the soccer net. We got like a little pad of a driveway that's, that's pretty decent size. And, uh, so yeah, again, yeah, we're trying to get outside as much as possible. Uh, luckily the weather's been pretty great. Uh, the last few weeks um, overall. So been able to get outside a lot once uh, the schooling's done. I've seen some videos of you playing wall ball on, off the side of your house. What else they got you doing to kind of stay in shape and, and keep as, as ready as you can be? Yeah. So, so uh, soccer wise for the team, we're doing, we're doing a lot to be honest, a lot. So, I mean, a lot of times it's three, four hours a day between the workouts um, you know, soccer, like techniques, uh, sp- ball specific workouts, um, physical workouts in the, in the afternoon and evenings, a lot of times on zoom calls, um, doing that like twice a week. Um, and then we'll have uh, video analysis meetings where we'll get together in different groups. Um, so like goalkeepers will get together, uh, goalkeepers and defenders, you know, the different, uh, small groups will get together and the coaches will send us videos. Um, and we'll kind of have some time to tactically, uh, go through them and then we'll get together on zoom call and, and discuss, um, and debate the different tactical stuff. Um, we're progressing even more now to focus. We were doing a little more, uh, what do you say? Just like big picture topics, um, like general ideas in terms of, of tactics and things we want to do. And now we're, uh, as the time's moving on, we're going to progress a little bit more to league specific tactics and, and the way we want to play different types of opponents and within the league. And, um, you know, the coaching staff has been amazing, uh, just trying to be as creative as possible to keep our, our minds and bodies mm-hmm. stimulated and try and, just like in every other aspect of life right now, try and make a, a positive out of a negative and just try and get something out of this time that, uh, you know, we're, we're set back a little bit. I, I can imagine. I know that um, both Dustin and I are, 
you know, we're working from home, but for the most part, our jobs haven't changed that much. Right. Other than actually, I mean, I'm busier than I've been in a long time just because of the, because of the area of it that I'm in, we're really, really busy because people okay. are working remotely. But right. um, for obviously for somebody like you, this is way different than, uh, than, than showing up to practice and, you know, working with your team and, and, and then, you know, going back home at the end of the day, or maybe doing that twice in a day. So I can only imagine the amount of creativity that has to go in. Yeah, for sure. And it's not easy. It's not easy for, for the coaching staff. Uh, so again, they've just been awesome to try and keep it interesting because it's, you know, we don't have a lot, you know, we're, we're all stuck at home. We can't go train together, even in small groups or anything. Um, you know, they were able to give us a little bit of equipment, but you know, we don't really have much at the house. A lot of times it's, um, you know, the easy thing for them to do would just be like, Hey, go on these runs every day and just, just run, you know, and, and give us runs or whatever. But they've been awesome of again, keeping it as engaging and as creative as possible. So it's, it's not just, you know, a, a mental grind as well, where you're just out beating the pavement, running around. Um, you know, we've been able to keep it interesting that way with some of these zoom calls and then adding in some, you know, some of that stuff that kind of looks uh, silly, I guess, or whatever sometimes, but, you know, smacking right. a ball against a wall all the time. It's like what we grew up doing as kids. I knew that I know I had a brick wall uh, in my driveway when I was growing up in Atlanta. And that's, I mean, I just spent hours out there just kicking the ball with, uh, you know, working on my feet, working on my hands, all sorts of stuff. And so it's just kind of a, a throwback to childhood at this point when uh, you got no one else to play with in the neighborhood. You know, they say that like in Brazil and places like that where where the, the the players come out very skilled it's partially because of that like forced creativity of having to just make a playing field out of out of a parking lot and a wall you know like I wonder if uh, wonder if uh, that's gonna you know may have some positive benefits to maybe some of the way some of the players come out of this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, again, I mean, I know there's a lot of, uh, I've read different articles on a lot of things like that uh, right now, you know, like talking about Shakespeare writing uh, some of his works during during quarantine and, and creativity is spurred through boredom. Um, you know, it really turns you on that way. So, I mean, uh, it, it could be, I mean, hopefully, hopefully kids get spurred on and, and get out just because they're so bored. They're, they're forced to play more, get creative with it, um, work on their skills on concrete, on bad surfaces in their yards instead of perfect playing, playing fields. Um, when I was down in Chile, you know, it was amazing just watching these kids play in parks or even the academy team of the team I was on. I mean, the academy kids played on literally just dirt, a dirt field outside the stadium. It had a, had white chalk uh, lines all around it and it was just dirt but I mean watching these kids take touches basically juggle it down the field because the field was so bad it just it forces you into into different things and it's you know not not ideal but it, it does force creativity and, and change uh, change that perspective well speaking of Chile let's let's kind of talk about how you ended up here at FC Dallas and and how you got here uh, so you you started out in kind of like the NASL scene, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know how I, my story is kind of long. I don't know how, how much <laughs> you want me to go into it, but, but yeah, so I played in the NASL, uh, out of college, I played in the NASL, um, for the Atlanta Silverbacks, my like hometown team. Um, I got drafted to the New York Red Bulls was with them throughout preseason, but didn't end up uh, signing a contract. Um, Again, there's like a lot of interesting like twists and turns in, in the stuff. So uh, it was actually interesting. So I was up there. The goalkeeper coach ended up getting let go during preseason. He was the one that, that drafted me, so that didn't go well. And then – but then they ended up having uh, a really a bad like concussion injury or something with their – with one of their goalies, and the other goalie had to go on international duty. So they released me, um, but then I didn't have a team – so then they signed me to like a one week contract and I actually was on the bench for the Red Bulls in their home opener in 2011 or, or their, oh. their, their, their league openers in Columbus. Right. But, uh, anyway, it was just like, it was just really weird. Uh, and after that, yeah, I went and, um, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just wanted to play, ended up going to the Atlanta Silverbacks, um, 
what, you know, I just kind of went on trial there. Um, the general manager at the time just basically took me out to the practice field and took shots on me and then signed me after that. So that's a funny story. Yeah. I was basically a tryout. I mean, he's, he's an awesome guy. I'm still friends with him. He's a great guy. He uh, is an Academy coach with Atlanta United now. Um, uh, he's actually a Chilean guy. Um, it's just coincidence, but, um, yeah, great guy, Rodrigo Rios, but, uh, but yeah, so I was there. And then after that, um, you know, the, the money wasn't great. I was, you know, I had my son at the time, my wife. So we were, you know, was, I was coaching a lot. I was coaching a, uh, women's university. I was a goalkeeper coach for a women's university in Atlanta, coaching a bunch of like, uh, youth club teams, um, you know, just grinding to, to make ends meet and everything while I was playing, uh, that first year. And then, so after the season ended that at the time, the seasons were still pretty short. So I went up to Chicago on trial with the fire. Um, cause I knew the people up there, I'd spent a summer in college with their PDL team. Um, they had put me up in the first summer there. So they, they had me in on trial. Um, and they invited me to come back to preseason the next year with the fire, but, just out of the blue, uh, again, soccer, like all these stories, soccer is just such a small world, um, like any industry, I'm sure. But soccer is just insane how small world stuff is. So I ended up getting a call from a basically a club coach that from like my youth club when I was playing for Atlanta Fire. Um, he was never my coach, but I, you know, I knew him, you know, you know, the coaches in, in these youth clubs. And so he calls me and he's a Hispanic guy. He's a Chilean guy. He calls me and says, hey. I have a friend who's looking for a goalkeeper. And at the time, that's basically all he said. And I didn't know what he was talking about. And so uh, he's like, hey, come have coffee with me. I'm like, all right. So I go and I'm talking to him. And, uh, and yeah, basically he, he had a he, – he, unbeknownst to almost everyone in the club, he was an extremely, extremely famous Chilean soccer player and was the general manager of, of Union Española, the club where Mauro Diaz and, and Pablo came from. And, like, I go down there with him, and people are, like, stopping him in the streets and recognizing him. And, and you know, and it, it, in Atlanta, people are always like, oh, yeah, I love that guy. He's a great guy. But people don't realize that he was this big-time uh, player and, and really big personality down there. So, anyways, long story short, he took me down there, went on trial, um, you know, crazy experience, um, staying in like a, uh, they call it a pension, but it's basically like a hostel. Um, and Did yeah. Did you know that you were on HGTV when you were down there? Do, do I know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. It, that was, that was another interesting experience in itself. Um, but yeah, so I mean, we, we were in preseason, then I, I played in a preseason game against Colo Colo, uh, went to penalty kicks, I saved three penalties, and we won, and I was all over the papers in the country and all this stuff, like, who's this American kid, and um, so yeah, again, like, signed the next day. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the H- HGTV was interesting. My wife basically just went on an expat blog, because I went down without them, without her and my son at first while, since I was just on trial. And, um, and so she was on an expat blog trying to find out some information about schools and stuff. And this guy just messaged her. He's like, Hey, I'm a producer. Uh, we're looking for people in, that are going to be moving to South America or something. Like, would you want to be on this show? Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a really interesting experience. How many times have you had to watch it since then? You know, it's hilarious. I've never seen the whole episode. My wife like cringes so bad. She won't watch it. And I've seen, I've seen like, I've seen the whole episode, but just like in clips and pieces, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty, uh, funny. Just, you know, it's reality TV. So like they're pushing you to say certain things. So my wife just cringes at like the way they, uh, and it's not even bad, but you know how it's, it's weird being on TV sometimes. Yeah, people are always self-conscious when you see yourself. You're like, yeah, yeah always, yeah, always worse than it really is. Exactly. So, so if you're wondering, I, I'm the person who watched the three-minute episode today. I actually, okay. I was like, I was like, oh yeah, so yeah, I saw the the, the shortened version of it uh, that's on the yeah. HDTV website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, interesting experience seeing reality TV, what it's like on the inside there. So, um, what was yeah. the 
what was just the overall kind of experience living in Chile? Was there, you know, was there things outside of soccer that were unusual or that, or that you know, that you really liked? Um, so overall it was amazing. Um, so I'll kind of start from that and work backwards because, um, at the time it was not amazing at all. It was terrible for a lot of different reasons, uh, just because it was so tough, but like, it was just such an amazing experience and like, uh, just grew so much as a soccer player, my understanding of the professional game and how things work. Um, and also just, you know, life and seeing the different culture, learning a new language, um, and all these things. But, uh, so again, just another interesting experience right off the bat, get my wife and son from the airport. Um, you know, it's, it's a long flight, uh, to get down there. You got to connect. I think they had to connect in, Miami and then in Santiago and then to Concepcion. So it's like you have to connect a couple different times. It's like 14 or 16 hours altogether. I forget what it was, but it's, it's long. And he was in kindergarten at the time. So anyways, they get there and they're a fun flight. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's rough. And, uh, so anyways, they get down there and we, and they're, they're, you know, off these flights, they're starving. So we go to eat and it's like six o'clock um, or six or seven or something. And so we go out and we, I had an, I got an apartment like right downtown. It was great. And we, so we go out and we're walking around, go to the first like decent restaurant we see it's closed, go to another one closed. I had no idea the, the culture there, everything closes from like three to six or three to seven because the, the dinner time there is like, you don't start eating dinner till nine or 10. Um, you know, it's, it's, which is normal, but it's just, uh, one of those funny things where like, (laughs) you know, how, how can you not get dinner at at six or seven o'clock? It was, uh, it was just one of those culture shocks. You just, as a young American kid who's growing, you know, only known the conveniences of America his whole life to like little things like that of just stores not being open 24 seven or, you know, all the, all these different things we're so used to here. Um, it was it was a interesting uh, eye opener right off the bat. Did you guys get a car, or did you guys take public transportation the whole time? Or we we took public transportation the whole time. We took uh, and it was really just buses, and they have the basically um, they call them colectivos, which are basically like uh, rideshare taxis. So you just it's like taxis are on like basically like a bus loop. There's different taxis that run loops and you just get in and you just give them like a quarter or like, I forget what it was, but it was like nothing. And if you just, you know, it took a little while to figure out their routes, but like I would take them to to training sometimes, or we would take the the buses to the mall or different things. But yeah, um, it was, it was all public transportation, but it wasn't like a subway system. It was all buses and taxis. What year was this? This was 2012. Okay. And so to keep going with it is again, it's like funny cause I, I have such fond memories of it and like, I feel great talking about it, but I mean, it was really, really tough cause I didn't speak any Spanish when I went down there. I mean, I had, you know, a high school level of <laughs> Spanish, which is nothing really, <laughs> right. especially in, in Chile, their accent is really tough to understand. Um, even today, it's one of the tougher ones for me to understand a lot of times, but, um, so, I mean, the first three or four months were really, really hard um, because no one on the team spoke English except for one player. Um, and I, um, still friends with him today, great guy, Andres Imperiale, played for San Jose Earthquakes for a bit. Um, so I've stayed in touch with him and kind of connected him with a couple of people and, and helped him to get, get over to the, the MLS. But, um, but anyway, so he's the only guy that spoke any English. So if he wasn't near me on the training field, I had no idea what was going on because none of the coaches, none of the players and no one in like the front office or anything really spoke any English either. So it was just, I mean, just really struggling trying to figure out what people were saying. Um, again, to backtrack when I got picked up from the airport by the club's team administrator, he literally just pointed at me and was just like, you like, and was just doing like goalkeeper movements. I was just like, just <laughs> yeah, like, yes, yep, yes. let's go. Um, so it was, uh, 
YOLO. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was crazy. And then I ended up uh, tearing my shoulder. I was out six months. The club went through three or four different coaches. Um, got relegated. Like I mean, it was an insane year. Um, just you know, and it was one of those tough things where I, the team obviously got relegated. So we started off bad in the year. Um, so we had a Paraguayan guy who's the starter who had been the starter for a year or two before as well. Um, it was like not old, but you know, had been there for a few years as experienced guy. And so we were struggling. And so the coach was like, Hey, I'm like, you're going to get your shot. And we were going up to a up in the desert in the North. And in the like training before the game, I went out and punched a crawl, like a ball and a set. We were doing set pieces before the day before the game. And I was going to start come out and I go to punch the ball. And when I hit it, it just hit weird. And I, I basically, I had already injured it and I was just kind of playing through. And I guess that's why it was like kind of slightly torn. And as soon as I like had been overstretched and punched, it just tore completely. I ended up sitting on the bench for the game and just the whole time being like, I can't even lift my arm up at all. And I was on the bench cause we had already traveled. So I was just, it was one of those things. Like if if our goalie went down, they would have had to put a field play. Like it would have been insane. But um, anyways, it was really unfortunate because just the timing, I would have gotten my, my debut and a chance to play. uh, And, and who knows what could have happened, but you know, that's, uh, that's life. And so it was was crazy. It was crazy um, to, to experience a relegation battle and, and see the emotion and how devastating it is for the club, the players, the fans, everything. Um, again just just a really powerful learning experience of of what that side of of soccer is and in other countries with with that it's i mean it's it's crazy so what was the level of play like down there compared to your mls experience um it's really different really different style of play like to me it seemed a bit more like individualistic a little bit slower um, in terms of, you know, in the MLS, it's just fast paced, like athletic teams are flying and, and you don't, you don't have a lot of time on the ball. Um, you know, I mean, at different times the games will change, but just overall, I, I think it's, the MLS is a lot more physical and, and can be faster where down there you can get seemed like guys had a little bit more time on the ball, but the, the technical quality, I mean, who knows, um, Again, I was still so young and still so inexperienced professionally. If I went back down there now, maybe I'd view it in a different way. Um, but but down there too, I mean, it's the stadiums and the fields a lot of times aren't great. Um, so it's it's just different. It's just different. Like it has its own challenges. You go up to the north into some of these teams in the desert like Cobra Sal. And I mean, you cannot breathe off the air, airplane. I mean, the altitude there and the dryness. Um, I mean, it was, it was again just in the warm ups. You're just uh, really out of it, um, pretty intense. And then you get all the way down to the south, and it's like, depending on where you're going, we, there's a team and uh, we played in. I think maybe it's preseason Porto Mont, which I mean is almost into like Patagonia. So it's I mean just cold and wet. Um, so you got everything on the spectrum with, with the length of that country and the different climates. And, um, so, I mean, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. It's, it's a great country. The people there were just super nice, super welcoming, you know, even just in the parks and the streets, um, really safe country. Um, you know, I just, I, my wife and I, and, and our son, we really enjoyed our time there overall. So then you, have you have, good. Uh, so have, have you, have you gone back? So since your time, have you guys gone back as like no, for a vacation we, or anything? We want to so bad, but honestly, like with our kids and our, our schedule. With four, uh, tough, man. And yeah, and and honestly, it's it's more just we just don't have any time. The only time we ever get off, it's going to see family. You know, we just like we haven't been on vacation uh, like besides going to see family and since our honeymoon basically in 2010. Um, just whenever we, whenever we have time off or, or different things, just especially because our kids are in school. So we can't, it's not like some of the other guys, um, that just as soon as the season's over, they can go do whatever they want for the right. month, month or two. But with, with kids in school, you can't just, especially as they get older, you can't just 
take off for a month um, and, and miss that much school. So, you know, we basically get the two week Christmas break and that's our time to go see, uh, you know, my wife and I's parents, brothers and sisters, all the, um, my wife, we have, a, my, I have a decent sized family too, but we just, uh, our kids have tons of cousins on both sides. It's got like almost 30 cousins on between the two sides. So, um, and a lot of them are Atlanta. So we just love get to uh, get them together and, and let them hang out. Um, they just are really close, which is special. So. Cool. So apparently my kids have had enough of quarantine for the day. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you can hear it, but there's a bra. I couldn't hear a huh? Yeah, you're good. <laughs> well, um, and you got three boys, right? I have three boys and then a baby girl. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're fighting nonstop. Just absolute, bro- especially our two uh, middle ones. Oh man. Just it's, I mean, they, they're awesome cause they just play together all day, but they they'll get into it for sure. Oh, now I do hear it. Yeah, all right. That one. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> so, so fast forward, your, your chili time ends, ends and you come back and you get signed with the, the cosmos. Um, well, if you want the full story, which again is just super, if there's more interesting stuff in between, let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. So again, just small, small world stuff. So this, cause this actually ends up being a, a little bit of a connection to come to Dallas. So, so I came back, I was gonna, I had a, a couple offers to go back to Chile after the team got relegated, but my wife was pregnant and the offers that we had were in really small towns. And just with her being pregnant and small towns, we weren't really sure um, if we wanted to do it. And then, um, sorry. And then, basically, I got a call and I got an I, I got an offer to go to the Rapids. And this is when Oscar was there. So, so I go there, and my understanding was I didn't actually talk to Oscar. I was talking to the goalkeeper coach, which is how it worked. Like how it seems to work a lot of times in MLS. It's when I've talked to different teams over the years, it's usually that way. But anyway, so I talked to the goalkeeper coach. We kind of had a, a contract set up like in general terms from what I understood. And I, from my understanding, it was just like, you come in for a week or two, as long as you're healthy, you know, blah, 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 you're, you're good. Um, and so again, just sports and soccer in general, like you just, you never know what's going on. And so I went in, ended up getting drawn out, drawn out. I don't know, um, what the real situation was. This is just how it was for me, but just kind of kept getting told to hold off, hold off. And then, um, and then, you know, again, right before the season started, similar to when I was with the Red Bulls, they, uh, decided to sign a, a, another guy. And so I was like, you know, just stuck again. Um, but, you know, Oscar was great. It was really, you know, honest and, and good with me. Um, I think it just might have been one of those things where him and the goalkeeper coach might have been on different pages or something. I'm not, not 100% sure. But, um, but Wilmer Cabrera was the assistant coach. And so um, they were great in terms of – they were like, look, we, we think you're really good. We just, you know, we can only sign one and, and you know, we, we, we can't sign you. But we have a friend who's starting up a really interesting project in New York. If you'd like to go there, like we'll call and make a recommendation. And so Wilmer called Gio Savarese because Wilmer and Gio played for the Long Island Rough Riders together back in the day. So they're, they're uh, friends. And so Wilmer was able to do that for me, which I really appreciated. Um, and so I went over there to the Cosmos um, and, yeah, had an amazing five years, some really interesting experiences there. Um, but, yeah, that was just kind of a really interesting sidetrack to um, – to doing that and you know my first experience with oscar before coming back which uh yeah it was very interesting hold on you're on mute dustin you're muted <laughs> oops I, I do this all day long you think i'd learn by now just saying that is a, that's interesting uh almost step that i, I hadn't heard before that's yeah that's really, really and it's yeah yeah, it's crazy too. People, you know, people just don't know what happens with a lot of us because I mean, you're not broadcasting it when you get uh, basically rejected from a club. <laughs> right. But like, yep. 
Um, you know, it's even crazy too, because I actually even went on after between going to the Cosmos and being with the Rapids, I actually went on trial with the Charleston battery and was about to sign there because I was waiting to hear about the Cosmos stuff. Cause like Wilmer mm-hmm. had put the call in and I had talked to geo, but nothing had really happened. So I went to the battery, um, and, and then ended up getting a call from geo while I was there. And, but, uh, but yeah, it, soccer's a really, really wild time. And, uh, yeah, you just got to keep, uh, like I was on, like we were at a call with the Academy goalkeepers, um, I don't know. I, I can't keep track of hours, let alone days at this point. Time but, has no meaning anymore. Yeah. But anyways, we were talking to them and it was, it was awesome. You know, we were kind of sharing some of our experiences and, you know, between uh, Kyle, myself and Jesse too, like just in soccer, you just have so many moments where people basically reject you or tell you you're not good enough for different things. And like the guys who make it are the guys that just keep going. And it's just, you know, even at the time, I didn't like think of it that way at the time, but um you know, it's, it's, when you look back, there really are so many moments like that. So when you, when I had a question about, uh, so when you, uh, joined the cosmos and like, I guess your one of your first games, you were in the championship match against the silverbacks, right? Uh, yeah, I didn't play in that game though, but, but, uh, you made your debut against them, but I, I made, so yeah, it was one of those weird things where because of the way the season was set up, it was just, a regular season and then a final there wasn't a there wasn't playoffs Mm -hmm. so we actually we were actually playing the silverbacks in the last game of the season and then the final no matter what happened in that Mm -hmm. game we had we're playing them back-to-back games so um so geo made the decision to you know we basically rotated our whole lineup and Kyle Rainish, who had, you know, he played in that MLS a long time. So he was our starter that first year with the Cosmos and he had a great year. Um, but so, you know, Geo rotated. And so, yeah, I got my debut the week before the final, but it was in Atlanta against the Silverbacks, which is, which was uh, pretty cool. Um, just having a lot of friends and family uh, be there for my debut with the Cosmos was, was really cool. And then again, the next week we, uh, we won the championship there, which was awesome. Marco Sena hit an unbelievable volley to, to win it for us. And, uh, it was a great, great start to the, the five years there. What's it like preparing for, to play against one of your former teams, like take us in behind the scenes and in, in the mind of a professional athlete. Like you've seen Rudy come back to Dallas and Uyoa come back to Dallas and Fafa this season made his debut against uh, Philly. Like, is it, is it a different mental uh, switch in your mind as you're preparing that week or, or is it business as usual? Uh. I would say for the most part, it's really business as usual. I would say it's, but it, it really depends on your experience there. Like your, how long you're with the club, what your relationship was with players, fans, you know, different, you know, all those different relationships. And, uh, and then maybe the biggest part of all that is how you leave is if you feel whether it's from the, you know, if if you didn't want to get cut or get, tra- you know, if you, if it was a contract thing or if you get traded and you weren't expecting it, um, you know, there's all sorts of different, different, uh, complexities that can really change that. So, you know, I, I definitely know there's some guys that are just playing, uh, you know, like a ball of fire against their former teams. Cause they are, you know, are pissed you know they're really they're really unhappy about how things ended or whatever and and they are motivated like seriously motivated to play against those teams um and then some guys it's you know they have those emotions the opposite way where they're just like man I, i love this team everything was so great and then it was just business and we moved on um and so it's like a fondness and it's like a homecoming when they go back and play. Um, and it's kind of like fighting those emotions, but and it's with that stuff, it's more business as usual. Um, it's, it's something yeah. definitely unique with, with sports, right? It's not like, uh, you know, if, if, if I got fired from, from my job, I could get a chance to come against my, you know, my, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe you could compete, compete on a sale or something like that, but yeah, right. it's, 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 it's kind of unique. Um, so how did yeah. you end up at, uh, at FC Dallas? So what was it that, that 
brought you to attention here? How'd you end up um, getting recruited? Uh, yeah. So again, so like I knew Oscar from, you know, shortly from that experience and I knew, um, Fernando a bit, just, I think, you know, we'd cross paths in the past when he was with the Fort Lauderdale strikers, maybe. Um, and Luis Muzi would work for the strikers. So I'd talk to Luis about that stuff when I had come here. Um, you know, again, so soccer is a small, pretty small world. And, um, so while I was with the Cosmos, basically, almost every year I kind of like flirted with different MLS teams. Um, even though Oscar had come to Dallas at the time, I had talked to uh, the Rapids again because, um, oh, and again, so the goalkeeper coach when I went to the Rapids was Dave Durr. <laughs> so, oh, really? again, yeah. Okay. So yeah, Dave was awesome. Really great guy. Um, and so Dave had an assistant goalkeeper coach who's, um, who then became the head goalkeeper coach cause Dave decided to move on. And, um, so that's Chris Sharp. And so Chris had called me after, um, they had made some roster moves and I think Oscar had left and, they, and, you know, things were changing. So they had made some roster moves. So he, he was seeing if I was interested in, in going, uh, signing with the Rapids again after that first year with the Cosmos. And so then talked to them, different things, ended up working out a, a multi-year deal with the Cosmos that I was happy about. Rainish was leaving. So I was, you know, looking, I made the decision basically to take, you know, to, I wanted to play. And I knew if I went to the, the Rapids at that time, I, I, wasn't you know I was going in as a number three wasn't going to be playing so I you know I, I knew I needed games at that point um and so and then after that I don't remember if it was the next year or two years later I talked to Kansas City um for a bit um and I guess by that point I'm not sure exactly how or who did it but so Dallas ended up having my discovery rights, the way the league works with discovery rights. They had my discovery rights for like three or four years. So actually kind of stopped a couple potential uh, deals <laughs> because they had my rights, which is crazy. But, um, but yeah, so I talked to Kansas city for, you know, various reasons didn't work out. And then, um, and then I was actually really close to signing with Portland another year. Um, and again, just the way the league structure is, it, I wasn't able to um, to sign sign the deal, um, and then yeah, then finally it just the the timing was right. The Cosmos were, you know, weren't an option anymore. Unfortunately, with the way the NSL uh, had gone as a league and and all that stuff, that's terrible. Um, but but yeah, so it just worked out. Um, to, to finally make the j jump and move to MLS. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy. Every, you know, everything happens for a reason and I'm happy. Uh, we, we got here. Dallas has been awesome. I really enjoyed the, the club and the, the city and, and all the people here, the fans and everything. It's just been great. So, but anyways, wild ride, twists and turns, ups and downs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. quite interesting that they had that FC Dallas had your discovery rights. I mean, it's kind of seems seems almost random, right? Um, the FC Dallas of all places, unless there was some sort of one of those connections somewhere. Somebody said, "Hey, we should keep an eye on this guy." Yeah, well, again, I mean, like I, I knew a lot of the a lot of the people. We had a little bit more. Not that I had a relationship with any anyone that we were, you know, t I didn't know anyone too personally. Um, in terms of Fernando or Luis or Oscar, but, um, but they all knew me and, you know, I knew them enough. Like if we saw each other, I would, we would say hello or something, but, um, so they knew me enough. And then, um, the obvious one that I haven't touched on, but drew Keisha, our goalkeeper coach, he actually, he was in Atlanta for a long time when I was, uh, growing up. So he was, I was actually taking private lessons from drew when I was in high school. Um, yeah, again, just small oh, world. It's circle, in, yeah. yeah. It's insane. So, um, so yeah, I would train with drew, um, like once a week, probably, um, like private lessons. Um, and it's at, like Sean Johnson who plays for New York city, mm -hmm. Joe, ben Joe Bendick, uh, who's in Philly now, but he's been, um, you know, Toronto, Portland, um, Orlando. So me, Sean and Joe, um, we would train with Drew 
like once a week, sometimes twice a week, probably. I don't even remember, but, uh, but yeah, so Drew knew me, um, pretty well. And so, yeah, another connection, another reason why they, yeah, they might've had my discovery rights. And, um, again, it's just, you know, a lot of these things where it's at the end of the day stuff, it's a business and they were making, um, you know, smart decisions from them and, and, and in the end it, it, you know, you just got to make it work and, and it all worked out great in the end. So at the, at the, at the time, there were certain moments I was pretty frustrated, but, um, but yeah, we're good. We're good. So now you find yourself in, in two locker rooms, right? With the FC Dallas locker room and the North Texas SC locker room. Um, what, what is your locker room role, if you will, like what's your role in each one of the locker rooms and how does it, how does it differ? Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, how do you, I guess, I guess I'll just, I'll, I'll say for each one, but I mean, for, for the first team, you know, I'm competing, I'm competing to play. That's first and foremost is I'm competing with Jesse and I'm, I'm trying to, trying to take his job if you know and and be and get games and be the starter and and help the team in that way and by doing that I'm I'm helping Jesse um you know be at his best every day um that's the way I take that on um and then with that just with being you know one of the older guys on the team and and you know have been fortunate to have a lot of different experiences and you know try and listen to a lot of the veteran players I've been lucky to play with that I take those experiences and I, I try and, you know, be a leader, um, uh, you know, a leader in the, in the, in the team. Um, yeah, I feel like, I feel like guys, you know, I'm not necessarily the uh, most outspoken guy in the locker room. I'm pretty quiet probably. Um, but I get, I get going on the field. I'll, I'll yell at guys on the field and, and try and make sure training as a team, uh, try and make sure training is pushed to a, a good level and make sure our intensity is high and guys are focused um, and, and make sure everyone's competing the right way in training. Um, and then, yeah, right, right now I'm super busy talking to guys all the time because I'm, I'm the union rep for the one of the union reps for the team. So, um, so that's another role. Um, talking about locker room stuff. There's just, I can imagine there's lots of interesting discussions going on right now. Well, I won't ask you about them, but yeah, yeah. there being work yeah. stoppages and yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I can't really touch on it, but, um, but it, a lot of conference calls, but it's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of conference calls, a lot of time, uh, uh, having discussions and, and meetings and different things. Um, but yeah, something it's, you were just voted on as or did, how did that come about? Yeah, yeah. So the players vote. We vote on um, three guys. So it was uh, it was me, Matt, and Jacory. Um, and then just the one Jacory left. Um, just everything's been kind of moving so fast. We haven't uh, had a vote for another guy. But, um, but yeah. So so right now it's me and Matt. And uh, yeah, the players vote on on who who it is. Um, you know, you kind of just say whether you're interested or not to do it. And then the, the players vote on. Do you have like a campaign with campaign signs? Just, and... just posters everywhere. Yeah, I was slipping, slipping, slipping bribes to guys, you know. <laughs> do no, do but... a lot of the players, I know a lot of them have, uh, you know, new kids like Reto's got a new kid and, mm-hmm. and um, Mikey, Mikey's got a new kid. Like yeah, Santi. Santi. Yeah. Do they come to you for parenting advice or like, what to what to expect when your soccer player is expecting? <laughs> yeah, it's the new book. I, I, you heard about my book coming out? I have sources. <laughs> yeah, but um, I wouldn't say advice. It's just more just kind of maybe like laughing of you know complaining to each other like man I can you keep, listen to what just happened to me yesterday or you know like just the classic parenting like little bit of venting of just like man this is. Uh, this is tough or you know what do you what do you when does the when do the kids start sleeping four hours straight or you know those those little things but I, it, you know we're all we're all adults we have most of us have uh you know different support structures where we're not uh not necessarily coming to like 
really ask advice, but uh, yeah, good conversations and, and good jokes about it for sure. What about, Sorry. go ahead, Jonathan, I'll let you was, get some questions in. I was going to say, I was going to say, so, so right now, how, how are, I mean, how's, how's the schedule work for, for, for you and your wife at home these days? So if you guys like, hey, do you have time when you're set aside when you're saying this, these are my work hours where I'm focused on, um, on soccer, working with the teams, getting my training in and have you, do you, do you, are you trying to keep up more of a rigid schedule or is it just, you know, a bit more fluid than that? Uh, it's, it's pretty fluid right now because uh, just there's scheduling stuff that's just not in my control um, in terms of different meetings changing from the team uh, right now just because we're even at this point, you know, you kind of go, we've kind of gone through phases where you're, you're hoping it's just a couple weeks and then, you know, so just as the progression's gone, like, the coaches have been altering the schedule um, for very good reasons, but just with that, it kind of changes um, our schedule a little bit um, and then different conference calls or, or different things I'm on. But I guess generally speaking, my schedule right now is I'm waking up at like five or five thirty. Um, so I'm, I'm also doing my working on my MBA right now. Um, so I'll do, I'll wake up at like five or five thirty. do like 30 minutes to an hour of, of reading for that. And then I'll start my workout um, right about seven so I can be done by nine for the kids' school to start. Then we do the kids' school stuff from about nine to one um, and then get them outside, usually if it's nice, um, do some stuff outside. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of times we all have another Zoom meeting or different things kind of between one and three. A lot of times it ends up being or, you know, conference calls – it just seems like during that window will be some other stuff, um, kind of that more variable stuff. Um, and then we start getting the kids ready, you know, dinner stuff ready. Um, my wife needs to start cooking. Um, she does all the cooking, thank goodness, because I can't do that. <laughs> but um, she's she's amazing. And so, I'll, you know, and then I'm watching the baby and stuff so she can get that stuff ready. Um, and then we got the bath time and, and bedtime routines you know, it's usually it's kind of, and probably sometime between, yeah, like five thirty to eight, and then, um, yeah, like between eight and ten, catching up on some other stuff, trying to help with some laundry or or cleaning, catching up with just that everyday house stuff, maybe some more, um, some more some more work, uh, with my MBA studies, um, and then if we're lucky, maybe we'll sneak in a little. A little show or something but um and then yeah trying trying to get to sleep around 10 because uh because five o'clock comes soon 5 30 yeah. comes early <laughs> yeah and oh and a lot of times we have a so we've been doing these six o'clock zoom workouts uh, a couple times a week too so that's thrown in there that my wife loves when she's trying to get dinner ready so oh, i'm sure <laughs> yeah you guys yep, try so. out any any crazy new recipes you know just you know <laughs> since you guys are all at home it's to be creative, man, not, I don't think so. Um, my wife just, she has a great range of different things. So, um, like she made this amazing, like wonton soup the other day. Um, she, she makes all sorts of stuff, Italian, Asian, like Latin. Um, so yeah. Very cool. Got all, all over the place, but she, it's, it's always good and it, it keeps it fresh for us. So. Always important. Yeah. Um, so I'm a, I'm a big listener to the Peter Crouch podcast and okay. he, I don't know if you've heard that. No, I haven't. But he does about an episode on different, different uh, subjects. And he had a goalkeeper episode where he was talking about goalkeepers and when they kind of characterize them as these crazy people that kind of train over by themselves and then, and then uh, join the team at the end. And everyone's kind of like stays, stays clear of them because they're kind of crazy. Um, how, how, <laughs> that's kind of a long intro into like, how does Lucci, how much influence does Lucci have over the goalkeepers? Um, and how much, how much integration is, is there with the first team? And then how does that differ from the way Oscar did things? The most, so 
some of this, to be honest, I, I can't really speak on because I think a lot of that stuff kind of goes into with a lot of coaches. They do a lot behind closed doors in terms of like they manage that stuff within coaching meetings. So that way, like the position specific coaches don't feel like don't have like the head coach looming over them or like in case they don't like they get all that stuff sorted out in meetings. I feel like a lot of times to where, um, yeah, I don't think I've ever been on a team where the head coach has said much to the goalkeepers in terms of anything like technique wise, like, you know, they're obviously saying stuff when we're doing 11 v 11 tactical Mm -hmm. progressions before a game of specific actions or, or, you know, the way the other team is going to press or what the other team's going to do both, you know, defensively and offensively just in general terms. But, but again, a lot of time I, I haven't really been with a team where the head coach has been overly involved with goalkeepers in terms of yeah again just like training um type things because we we are often off by ourselves um working on very it's just very different very specific um but with that being said Lucci has been more than more than anyone any team I've been on in terms of integrating us into the team sessions um in terms of just making sure we're really working on our feet uh to play you know, the, a lot of times he sets up the drills because I've been on teams where we've been integrated where we'll, we'll go and, you know, take part in the drills with the field players just to work on the foot skills and techniques that way. But um, the thing Lucci does that I, that's um, newer um, is that he almost sets up the drills so that we can get actions with our feet, but in more realistic uh, positions for a goalkeeper with the way we play. So like we'll do a positional game, but we'll be kind of locked into an, into a specific area where, you know, we're never going to be in the middle of the field where we have to deal with players behind us. You know, we, we are dealing with seeing the field, having to play really quick feet, find the right angles, um, find the right passes based on different pressures and, you know, tight spaces, but not necessarily just, thrown in to play a general possession game where again you're going to end up in you know a a position with a guy on your back and you're holding him off or you know something that's just never going to happen in a game you got muted again dustin dead gummit (laughs) i've got this this like circus going on i'm trying to to keep you guys from having to hear three girls shouting loudly Um, Uh, Jonathan, you got anything else? No, man. Uh, not Nothing I can think of. All righty. Well, uh, Jimmy, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. I know uh, we've, we've chronicled. It's a busy, busy time for everybody. Um, so we certainly appreciate you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I enjoyed talking to you guys. Hope you guys are staying uh, safe and, and maybe more importantly, sane at this point. Doing our best. That's probably the harder, the harder of the two. It's, it's the, it seems to be the one we have more influence on, I guess, is, yeah. is where my mind goes with it. Uh, yeah, for sure. All right. If you, uh, if you enjoy this episode, you can find us online at dallassoccershow.com. You can see us online as at da- or on Twitter as at Dallas Soccer Show. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.